Sisters, have you ever felt like your heart shattered into a million pieces? Like your whole world tilted on its axis after a love lost? Welcome to Heal and Thrive Backstage, a sanctuary for souls seeking wholeness after the storm. Hey all, I'm Coach Liz, your coach on the path to self-free connection. Every Wednesday, join me and Louisa Anderson, the radiant light worker, as we delve into the transformative journey beyond heartbreak. We'll go beyond the surface wounds and explore the depths of our spirit. This is where we shed the masks, embrace vulnerability, and rediscover the love that resides within. From untangling emotional knots to embracing radical self-acceptance will illuminate the path to radiant self-love. We'll have soulful whispering wisdom, inspiring stories of resilience, and meditations to bathe your spirit in gentle healing light. Because darling, heartbreak isn't just about the end of a chapter. It's about remembering who you are at your core, a being of infinite love and boundless potential. This is Heal and Thrive Backstage where you reconnect with your inner goddess, rewrite your narrative, and emerge from the ashes stronger, brighter, and more deeply in love with yourself. So grab your journal, your favorite crystals, and an open heart. Let's embark on a sacred journey together. And remember, you are not broken. You are simply unfolding into a more magnificent version of yourself. Heal and Thrive Backstage, where love heals, spirits soar, and you remember the light within. Heal and Thrive Backstage, where self-love is the ultimate act of rebellion. Subscribe now and join the soul awakening journey. this weekend I was so giddy (laughs) like oh my gosh like I love every single aspect of this right like you know I love how you start with just what is an empowered relationship because I feel like that's so important because I'm gonna be honest um pre-coach Liz I don't think I really had a full grasp or good understanding for what an empowered relationship was because I was so conditioned on old beliefs and patterns of what a relationship looked like based on what I was taught from my own parents and role models. But then I also noticed that I fell into myself a relationship where I was in a very unhealthy, unpowered relationship where there was a lot of codependency and it didn't leave me feeling like I was okay as I was on my own for who I was. Mm. And so I really had to learn on my own how to resolve that, how to change some of those patterns and beliefs that I had been taught so that I could 
right, have not only a healthy relationship with myself, but with anybody else that I brought into my life. That's very enlightening because I, so for me, a little bit kind of similar. So in my marriage, what, what happened was at the beginning, I just started modeling um, what I saw other couples in my culture do, but I never agreed with that. So kind of like the same thing, the conditioning, you know, that I just went in the flow with the conditioning. But once I acknowledged that I wasn't in the flow with what I was practicing, basically, which was very much like the traditional gender roles and kind of like, you know, you don't have any expectations from the male in the relationship. Those that was kind of how my culture was. And that's what I modeled at the beginning of my marriage. And then what I did differently than you was I shifted it so that I learned to understand the relationship and I shifted the dynamic of our relationship, our communication, how we could have a healthy relationship, but I left myself out. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. So when you mentioned that, I was like, that's interesting. I forgot that whole piece. (laughs) So that whole piece out. (laughs) Yeah. So that, but you know what? I don't think you're alone on that at all. Mm -hmm. Because I find that to be a commonality across a lot of relationships. Yes. And I feel like I almost even fell into that a little bit because it's really easy to look at everything else and kind of see it for what it is. But when it comes to kind of doing the introspection with ourself and really understanding how we're involved in that, that's, that's where it's hard, right? It's a lot harder to do that. Yep. Yeah. I kind of. There was what happened with me. It was like there was the relationship. There was him, you know, his part of the relationship that he shared with with us in the relationship. But myself was not I because like I went to therapy and did all the things to heal myself. But I Mm -hmm. didn't bring that back into it. It would always be. Yeah. Yeah. I would always just take the good parts of what I learned in terms of like communication or what didn't work for me in the past, um, you know, from, or what had happened because of my trauma. That's what a lot of my therapy was, was resolving my childhood trauma or working through, I shouldn't say resolving because it's not ever resolved, but working through. Um, But then it was like, I would take the good things that I learned from that. So for example, I learned like I would shut down is one of the things that I used to do a lot, but that was because of my childhood trauma. So then I learned to not shut down in the relationship. But then outside of that, whenever I had any emotions that I had to deal with, even if they were caused within the relationship, I just shut down on my own. Like it was just like me. I lived in this, I put myself in this corner that didn't coexist with him or the relationship it was a really hmm. like in retro like looking back I'm like I don't fully understand the why but I'm glad that this is coming up because like you said maybe I'm not alone and maybe there are other people experiencing that that may not even be aware of it because I sure was not no for sure and I, I think it is hard to just recognize that part of ourselves until we can become aware of it Um, And then it's a matter of, to your point, okay, well, why was I like that? 
you know, where does that come from? And how can I heal that part of myself so that I can show up differently? Right. And a lot of times it's, you know, we have to create safety in ourselves to feel like we can do that because if we don't feel that safety, it's going to prevent us from really being able to show up and be vulnerable and be our authentic selves, which can be hard, right? Yeah, it, it, what it can be. And it was, and, you know, in retrospect is like, I can see now the impact that it had on the overall relationship, which I couldn't see before, you know, because before I always looked at it as, well, I'm giving everything into this relationship. I'm giving everything, but it was like, I was giving everything except myself. important part Louisa (laughs) just a little bit just a little bit it's like my authentic self was not there the self that thought the version of myself that I thought I needed to be to be in that relationship was fully there and present and available but myself was not there and it also I realized had to do with my self-worth I didn't deem myself worthy of that relationship you know Yes, I do understand that for sure. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think we've both experienced what it looks like to move through from just being disempowered, right, to empowered um, in that process. Yeah. So I think it's a matter of what does that look like, right, for somebody else who right now is sitting in that disempowered relationship, feeling stuck and unsure of what to do next, to really be able to put them in a different place, right? To be able to prepare them for that transition um, from disempowerment to empowerment. And, you know, I think the key here is, and we've talked about this a lot, is we tend to look outside of ourselves for the answer with everything, right? We tend to look for everybody to kind of fill that gap for us. And the reality is we have to look within ourselves and figure out why don't I feel empowered? You know, where is this coming from? Going back to the root cause and how, what do I need to do to heal that part of myself so that I can show up differently? So I think that's like, if I was to go from, you know, here to here, it's like, okay, so here's where I'm at. Here's where I want to be. Now I need to take these steps to get there. Yeah. Cross the bridge. Got to cross the bridge. (laughs) (laughs) I know know you gave a couple really good examples. If you want to share them. Um, I think to get from disempowered to empowered and also I want to mention this because I think this is super important we touched upon it is that you know empowered relationships I know like we at least I started talking about like my marriage but I think it's important to point out it's like any type of relationship because for me this rings very true right now and like my friendships you know I have empowered friendships right now which is something that's new to me um But I think that definitely one of the things is, you know, like learning to navigate how you navigate conflict and disagreements. Mm -hmm. I think moving from 
you know, disempowered relationships to empowered relationships, really, you have to establish that as one of the the core things. And one of the things that um, as I was yeah. like looking at stuff for this topic was Jay Shetty that he mentioned that there are a lot of things that we don't talk about and we just kind of let happen and flow into the ether. And then when they're happening, we're like, why is this happening? But it was never addressed. Right. So I think that navigating conflict and disagreements needs to be something, you know, that needs to be addressed. You know, as soon as we know that we're in a relationship that we value, I think it's worthy to bring it up and to, you know, discuss with the other person, how are we going to manage it? You know, how are we going to manage conflict and disagreements when they come up? And the key is always together. You know, one of the things that I learned throughout my relationships most recently is that it has to, there has to be like, it's not like me, you, and then trying to solve the problem. It's us trying to solve the problem. So it's like us and the problem. There's no three units involved here. There's two units, the problem and you and your partner. Um, and solving the problem. What about you? What do you think are some, what do you think are some of those things that need to cross the bridge? Hmm. Well, <laughs> you know, as you were talking, I was, I was kind of thinking about, right, how that works. Because I think, I think it's important that you, oh, I think it's important that you know the person that you're in the relationship with mm -hmm. is willing to also engage in those conversations and those, you know, healthy, honest, open communication. And again, not to pigeonhole relationship, right? Mm -hmm. It can be any relationship. And, yep. you know, a matter of fact, over the weekend, I got to meet a client face to face that I've worked with for almost a year now. And um, I said to her, I said, I want to be honest with you, but I also want to be sensitive to the conversation we're having. So, you know, I don't want to say something to you that's going to kind of create unsafety for you or make you feel ill-eased. So help me understand, you know, make sure you're communicating with me how this feels for you. And so as I was having this conversation, you know, her her, she values honest, open communication, and she has struggled because nobody in her life has been able to do that for her. Mm. Nobody's been able to be honest and communicate. It's a lot of, I don't know, I don't care, but then they get upset when she does something. So it's like she's never been able to trust what people say to her. That's tough. So I think that's where you have to look and differentiate, right? Because you have to know the relationship. You have to know, is this a relationship where I can be open and honest and that person can accept what I'm saying to them and we can get through this together, right? We can go through this. Or is this somebody that's going to say, yeah, I'm okay with it, but then not really be okay with it. So you, you almost have to know, right? And here's what I would say. If the person is, is not going to and you know, you innately know, if this person is not going to be okay with this conversation, where does that leave it? Where can you go, right? There's not a lot of places to go there. 
Now, for the people that are able to have those really open, honest, now that's an empowered relationship. So now we can now we can start there, right? Yes. So, so if now you have that person that is willing to be that person, and this is the difference between disempowered and empowered, because yes, you have a role in it, but so does the other person you're engaging with. So if that person is in the same place, then I think it's really important that you do foster really healthy, honest, open dialogue about how you're feeling, why you're feeling that way, you know, because then that's where it builds trust and connection and is able to take you to the next place where both people are taking responsibility for their feelings and they're not feeling like they have to protect the other person's feelings. Because once you get to that place where you feel like you're protecting someone's feelings, guess what? You're already, boom, you're in codependency, right? Because now you're putting someone else's feelings above your own. So you have to be able to share that and be able to be, you know, feel like that is being respected, right? That people are allowing you and respecting you and your own individuality as you are and allowing you to continue to grow and foster that person that is deep rooted in you. And when two people allow that for each other and support each other in that process, that is an empowered relationship, right? Yes, a beautiful one. That is so beautiful. That is so beautifully and well said. And I'm glad that you brought that up because one of the things when you started talking that came to mind is, you know, when you are reading a book and you're talking to someone about them. There was this girl I used to work with a few years ago and she used to always tell me about our clients. She used to always say, make sure that you're both reading the same book. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, make sure in this case that they are able to communicate and, you know, navigate conflict before you assume that you can sit down and have a conversation about it, which is what you started with. So, yeah, I think that's great. Absolutely. And, you know, that brings up another good point because people people will say things, but action fouled up by what is being said is also a huge part of this. Because people can say all day long, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But until they actually do it, it's it's really not meaningful. And that's another piece of trust, right? Because you know the people that are going to foul up and do the work and the people that are just giving you lip service. So again, trust is a huge part of empowered relationships. Trust, open, honest communication, vulnerability. boundaries, which we haven't touched on, but boundaries is another key component to this. Because again, you have to be able to say what is okay and what's not okay. And that has to be respected. If somebody isn't willing to consider those boundaries, again, there's nowhere to go, right? So again, you have to be able to really kind of say, here's, here's what I value. Here's what's important to me. And in order for this relationship to work, we both have to be willing to to meet each other in the middle. Yeah. Right. And, you know, to that point, one of the things that I learned later on in my life is, I say later on in my life, most recently in my life, (laughs) um, is the importance of that. So I used to always have this negative, like, 
outlook on like, oh, those people who like me and they want to put it all on the table and they want to talk about this is how many kids I want to have and this is where I want to live. I'm like, why? Just live life, just flow through it. But the truth is that, okay, maybe we don't need to talk about, you know, what color the house is going to be and, and all that, all those details. But the truth is, is like conversations like boundaries and conversations about, you know, um, conversation styles about conflict resolution styles, you know, and, and things like that and about expectations in terms of action, values, you know, all of those big things do need to be discussed at the beginning, because even in a friendship, for example, which is my situation right now, like, I met someone that, you know, is like an amazing friend. But right off the bat, um, it was like, do we even do we even share the same values? Like, are we going to go deep in this relationship? It was a long distance relationship, like one country to the next. So it was really important that if we're going to invest time in this relationship, that we both are on the same page. We're not, you know, wasting each other's times and energy because from the get go, we already knew it was going to take a long, you know, a lot of effort to maintain this relationship. So even in those situations, even in a friendship situation, we were able to sit down and be like, these are the values. This is what I'm looking for in a friendship. This is what I expect. You know, what do you expect? And, you know, even from the get go, it was like our communication style. Like, how do you deal with this? You know, one of the first things that he asked me was, how do you deal when, you know, when you get feedback that you're not happy with? Like, what do you do? That was important to him. He brought that up immediately. And, it made me aware of like, Hey, do I even know, like, am I even aware of that for myself so that I can relate to that to someone else? So those conversations, they need to be had in any type of relationship, you know, unfortunately, like with our parents, um, (laughs) you know, like I couldn't sit my dad down and be like, Hey, let's talk about our communication style. Um, but a lot of parents will these days. And if you have parents who will, and it's something that you are conscious and aware of and you want to address, definitely sit them down for it too. Because I think it benefits every type of relationship to outline those boundaries, outline expectations, outline communication styles, you know, the conflict resolution styles, because ultimately when things pop up, because life happens, you have somewhere to start from. You're not starting from scratch and you know where you're going to go from there. You know what to expect um, from, you know, from whatever arises. So true. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Yeah, that is wonderful. And I, and I, I definitely agree. Um, you know, another thing that I know you had mentioned, and I think it's important to talk through is just how we manage conflict. Yes. You know, conflict I know for me, I have a lot of women who avoid conflict at all cost. And when I say at all costs, I'm talking about the cost of their themselves, right? Because they're totally shutting themselves down in those parts that want to be seen just to save the relationship and keep peace in the relationship. Um, but there is, and I know firsthand, the cost of that, right? So I think it's important that we're able to communicate, well, you know, what, where, you know, how, where do you start? Like if you're, if somebody, if you feel like you're in a conflict, 
what is your style? Do you tend to shut down? Do you need resolution? Do you, you know, do you want to talk through it? Like, how do you approach that? And I think it's an important conversation to have because I know for me, in my experience, it was a lot of the distance or pursuer relationship. You know, I was always the one that had to like give space. Like I needed to like just go somewhere, be be with myself with it, really think through it, digest it, feel it, and then come back and be able to have that conversation. But in my relationships, I've had a lot of people that were needed the resolution, very anxious, you know, and needed the resolution, couldn't sit with, you know, any kind of dissonance or dissension between us. And so that created more conflict than it created resolution, because then not only do you have the conflict, but on top of that, you're getting two people that approach it differently, which is creating more agitation because now I want to be alone, but you're trying to force it. And it's making me more upset than if we just gave that space, right? So it's really kind of taught me how do we work through this when two people have different ways and styles of conflict? How can you still make that work? And I think the key is going back to honest and open communication. One, being aware of how you handle conflict. So if you don't know, it's becoming aware of you know, how do I like to approach this? And then two, being able to share that and communicate that with the relationship and saying, you know, when I get in a place where I feel things are getting a little heated, I need to be able to create space for myself. Mm -hmm. And I promise if you can give me that, I will come back and talk this out with you. Um, But it's really important that I have that time. So being able to communicate that also helps build trust and safety in that relationship. And then it's being able to just work through that together to come together versus pulling apart. What are your thoughts on it? So my first thought when you started talking was something that I actually hadn't um, thought about before you you started talking was um, talking about what do you consider conflict? Because Ooh, yes, good point. I say that because having come into a relationship as someone with a lot of trauma because I had a lot of trauma, what I considered conflict for someone like for my partners may have been, you know, in one situation was something that was just, oh, that was just, you know, an inconvenience, or that was just something that didn't go how we thought it was going to go. And for me, it was full-blown conflict, but that was because of the trauma that I had that was not processed. So I think that it may be even important to even a step further back, you know, identify what, what does conflict look like to you? Uh, To me, you're asking me what I think it looks like. Yeah. I mean, if yes, that would be helpful, but I'm also saying like, it's important for our listeners and for everybody to, to ask that, but what does look like, what does conflict look like to you? Um, you know, for me, I think it's, um, anytime there's an emotional disturbance, you know, when I start getting to a place where my emotions are high, I start getting like almost reactive, I would say. And what causes that is when, and I think this could be different for everybody because everybody has different buttons, you know, but, and, you know, 
my partner, for example, comes to me and is saying something and I disagree and it, it's that disagreement, how do I approach that disagreement? Can we talk through it? Or is it a place where I, something in me is coming up and it's really creating agitation? And I think this is also important because, you know, if both of us are talking about a book, for example, and you disagree with the book I'm talking about, it's probably not going to be that big of a deal. But if somebody comes to you and says, well, you know, why do you think your opinion is more important than mine, right? Then you're going to feel a little attacked because now you're like, oh, okay, there's judgment. And then the first reaction is going to be defensiveness, right? You're going to be like, well, wait a minute. (laughs) So then that's going to create some feelings to come up and that's going to create this conflict. Yeah. So I think for me, if I was to think through conflict, that would, that's what comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I, I wanted you to share that because like I said, this is your, um, (laughs) (laughs) this is your, you know, not my strength, but I wanted you to share that because for someone like myself, you know, like I said, having gone through all the trauma, like now I'm on the other side of it and it's, you know, I'm able to communicate more where, In a situation, rather than react, which is what I did 90% of the time, I'm able to ask questions to understand whether I should stand back, whether you need time, you know, understand what is going to happen next um, or what is needed, what you need in that situation, because I know what I need. So, but if you're not communicating it, I can ask the questions, but I think it's important to, to like share from a healthy perspective you know, hey, this is what conflict could look like. And um, I love that you said this could be different for everyone because it could be. But at least here's like, here's a little bit of a guideline as to what healthy, you know, consideration of what conflict could look like um, uh, is, you know, for for our listeners. Yes, no. And I, you know, I definitely agree. And I think a lot of times from what I've seen, with clients is there's just, um, you know, they're so stuck in how they perceive what happened. They're not willing to look at it from another, another perspective, right? Because there's, you know, and this, there's two sides to every story, right? And, you know, here's the situation, here's this view and here's this view, but what is the truth that that's between both of those stories, right? <laughs> I, like, I wanted to, I wanted to so jump in and say, there's two sides to every story, and then there's the truth. People say that, yeah, that's I right, and, it, and, and it's true, right? Because what happens and what creates conflict isn't the story; it's the emotions that come up around the story that create the conflict. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, one of the things about relationships that I have understood is that, um, you know, I think sometimes that's where being able to just kind of sort of put yourself out of your own head for a second and listen to them so that you can understand where their perspective is coming from, yeah, where their opinion is coming from, right? Like that compassion that you usually 
we should have with ourselves, kind of extending that in that moment so that you can understand where the other person is coming from. Because I think that kind of takes, not only does it take it down a notch, but then it then allows you to, you know, from a more understanding perspective, approach the subject. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I think the one thing is, is that is very hard to do when you are emotionally riled. (laughs) So being able to look at someone else's viewpoint when you're upset is so hard. It's almost instead like you have to get curious, like just pause for a minute, get curious. Like, okay, what am I so upset about? What is this hitting? Where is this hitting? Why is this affecting me so much? Because what is coming up for you is something that's unhealed, right? Somebody hit a nerve, said something that hit something in you that's unhealed and needs attention. And this is good. This is gold. And it's saying to yourself, thank you. Thank you because you are teaching me something that's unhealed in me that I need to, something I need to address within myself. Because if you can heal that part of you, girlfriend, you're good. Like nothing anybody says is going to rile you because you're just going to be like, okay, I'm sorry you feel that way. This is how I feel. But you can't do that unless you've, you've healed whatever comes up for you. Right. That's, that's really good. That is gold (laughs) right there. (laughs) That is so good because it is, it's so true. And, you know, it's hard. I think, um, I think it's hard to see that in the moment for sure. So unless you, you've had, you know, like you've heard this or, or read it or just somehow retrained your mind to be aware of this, it's, it doesn't even cross your mind in the moment. No, no, not at all. And, you know, I speak from experience because I had a daughter who knew exactly how to push my buttons and she would say something and it would hit me so hard that it would be like, you know, I would just be in that reactive state. And I had to really look at that, which is hard, but I had to look at it and be like, what is going on? Like how, you know, what is it with me that is happening? What is the lesson here? What do I need to learn? And that's when I realized that this wasn't about her. This was about me. This is something I needed to fix within myself. And once I was able to do that, the relationship innately got better. And that's usually the truth is, you know, I have learned is, and that's, that's how I look at it now. Mostly everything is like, well, what caused me to feel that like what did that person do or say that caused me to feel that but I do understand just kidding I know exactly (laughs) (laughs) I know exactly what it's like to not be in that place um yes Yes. but that's part of it right like we all have to kind of go through that before we do understand and we can get to the other side of that because it is we're all learning we're learning about ourselves but that's why I've always said you have to get yourself right you have to you have to start with you right it's all comes from the inside out and once you're good nothing else is gonna you know ruffle your feathers or get you upset 
but it, it really starts with learning about yourself. Who are you, you know, and if something gets you upset, why? And fixing that part of yourself. And when we can really put a lot of that time and attention on ourselves and neatly, everything around us gets better because things can't affect us the same way. It's so true. And I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that I, that I feel is really important is like, I don't, I do not believe that it's possible to be in an empowered relationship. If you are not right with yourself going into that relationship, it's not, you, you can't do it. Yeah. You just I, can't. I, yeah. I just couldn't see how you could manage to, you know, be able to understand and understand and almost accept is the word that I want to use the word that came to mind, you know, the other person's desires, their boundaries, you know, their capacity, their capacities, their values, even if you don't agree with them, like, I just don't know if you are not fully right with yourself, how you go into that, because being in a relationship doesn't mean we need to agree with like, at least the types of relationships that I have, it doesn't mean for me, like, we don't need to agree on everything, you know, I have friends with different religions. I have friends, you know, with different lifestyles, you know, um, yeah. I don't, that yeah. I necessarily wouldn't pursue, but I, they're still my friends, my great friends, That's right. you know, amazing right. friends that I love. So, but if I wasn't right with myself and those things bothered me, I don't see how we could have an empowered relationship because I would not be able to empathize with those aspects of their lives you know think about the movie and i don't know if you've seen this movie but the runaway bride we haven't okay so she she goes i think she was engaged four or five times but every time she got up to the altar she would run away and it was because she didn't even know herself so she would look at these guys and be like, what? And she would, you know, and during the, the courting period, she would adopt whatever they did. So if they liked their eggs over easy, she'd eat her eggs over easy. If she did this, she, you know, if they did this, she would do that. And she just started mimicking whoever they were. And it wasn't until this guy came along and he challenged her and he said, how do you like your eggs? And she's like, I like them this way. And he's like, I don't really think you do. He's like, I think you should figure that out before you're ready to marry me. Well, anyway, she went through this whole self-discovery process and she tried like all these different eggs. She did all these different things, really got rock solid about herself. She went back to that guy and said, I know I like my eggs like this. I like my shoes this way. I like my house this way. And he said, okay, now we're ready to get married. <laughs> right. And you know, it's the truth. You have to know who you are and what you can give someone before you're ready to take on and, and really embrace that partnership for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so. the beauty of the beauty of, of healing is, you know, is that it allows you to enter into any type of relationship and be yourself and enjoy and, and enjoy the relationship for what it is, you know, be able to be yourself within that relationship and be able to be yourself outside of that relationship where if that relationship were to end for whatever reason, you don't feel like your life has also ended. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I have a friend who who's recently like reestablishing his life. And that's one of the things that he mentions, because that's how it felt when his relationship ended was my life is ending because everything that he was was tied up in in that relationship. He didn't have an identity outside of that relationship. And so that really speaks to that is like, you need to be whole. You know, we need to both come in whole. And I, I mean, whole, I don't mean perfect. They're not the same thing. Um, Cause nobody's perfect. Um, no. <laughs> but you know, you need to be whole in order to be in an empowered relationship. You really need to love yourself. Um, and I, I also believe that you also cannot love someone right. If you don't love yourself, right. That's right. That's right. And I think that's yeah. absolutely necessary to be in that empowered relationship because I feel like without that, we're kind of doing what, um, I think, uh, what I think a lot of a lot of relationships and a lot of people do, uh, I'm I'm gonna say young people because I still think. <laughs> hey, I'm still young people. What do you mean? Perfect, perfect, perfect. <laughs> young people um, is you know like we put this facade of what it's it it looks like, but in reality, all the cracks. Yeah, it's like on the outside, it looks very empowered, um, but on. In reality, it's like all the cracks, that foundation is like, uh, at any second, you know, with the wrong squeak and it's going to fall, you know? And I love, um, you had brought up some different ways that you can show yourself love. Um, I think it was like, you were talking about a love letter to yourself. So I'd love you to share that with everyone. Yes. Yes. I, so This, not my original idea, I wish it was, Um, but uh, reading along some of Jay Shetty's stuff, one of the things that he did recommend is writing a love letter to yourself. Um, So I love the idea because he says, write a love letter to yourself to remind yourself of all the good sides of yourself, even the ones that you're usually too busy to see because, right, especially when we have all you know all these different types of relationships we have relationships with our parents our children you know colleagues you know if you have a romantic partner so we tend to forget sometimes life just goes and it moves so fast so you know write a love letter to remind yourself of all your good parts um you know a love letter to your partner um because it'll make you appreciate them even more and after a breakup or a difficult time writing can help you process the grief and trauma um, that you know that you experience at the end of a relationship. I loved that because I feel like that would have saved a lot of us, a lot of heart, maybe not yeah. saved the heartache, but at least helped us maybe move a little bit quicker along the healing journey. Cause I don't think the heartache can necessarily be stopped. And, and right. We don't, I mean, we don't want it. We, in the moment we think we want to not feel it, but it's part of the, the growth. Um, the reason that we feel that we need to feel it through. But then also, I loved this one and write a love letter to the world. Mm. You'll walk through life with open eyes and a welcoming heart. I love love that. that. And you know what? Um, It's funny that you brought this up because one of the things I've learned in coaching is it is very hard for people to always be able to communicate their feelings. Yes. Um, it's just very threatening 
And so a lot of the times I will have them write a letter um, to whoever it is, you know, and just, you know, sometimes it's their ex that they just haven't forgiven or they haven't been able to let go of that pain. It's just writing a letter to them to say, here's, you know, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I miss. Here's what I hope for, whatever the case may be. But it allows you to get all of that out. And it's so therapeutic. It's so helpful. And you don't have to give it to them. You can. Like there's some people that write it out before they say it or they write it out and give it to them. There's different approaches to this, but I think it's a great way to be able to communicate, get those feelings out without necessarily having to have the face-to-face conversation. Yeah, that's that's great. That's awesome that you do that. One of the um in shamanic culture, one of the things that is that are big is, you know, and I think in a lot of traditions are fire ceremonies. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times they take these letters and they'll burn them and it's like, you know, you watch burn away all of what you have put down in that letter and I love that because for example, you know, at the end of of a relationship being able to do that may may help, you know, process that grief and that trauma when you have that, you know, read it to remind you of the good things and then let it go just like accepting that it has you have experienced it, you were supposed to experience it and now that phase of your life is over and you're accepting that it's time to move on to the next phase, you know? Absolutely. 100%. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I know for myself, you know, my journaling and really just writing a lot of my feelings and experiences out has been very much healing for me and helped me process a lot of the things that I was working through and navigating. And, you know, even today, I love it because I can look back, right? And I can read some of those passages. And it just reminds me how far I've come in my own journey. And it's just a great way to kind of you know, have some sort of testament to your life and the things you're experiencing in your growth. So, you know, I've always encouraged journaling and writing. I think it's a great tool. I agree a hundred thousand percent. And, you know, in a very selfish way, I hope that whoever finds it writes an amazing book about me with all my journal entries. (laughs) Yes. Right. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Yes, please, please. Good book. Look at the good entries. <laughs> yeah, just just focus on the good. Focus on the good ones. No bad. Make me perfect. <laughs> exactly. Even though there's no such thing as perfect. There's no such thing as perfect. <laughs> no, but I do. I do. I think it's. I mean, journaling. I mean, journaling changed my. I mean, we could talk about journaling for days because I do feel like the journaling. It does. It really does help. It's amazing to. To be able to process, it helps you process. And it also gives you a little bit of, um, it gives you a little bit of something to go back to in in the good and bad times, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's, you know, going back to the self-discovery, it's just a matter of figuring out what tools work for you, because for everybody that looks very differently. And I know we've talked about a bunch of them on the show, but I think it's important to really kind of play around with in that moment, what do I need? What's going to help me get through this moment? What feels good? And really just kind of, you know, investing the time 
there when you need it because yes, journaling works for me, but it might not work for you. Maybe for you, you need to go out and take a walk or maybe you need to pick up the phone. Whatever it is that works for you, that's where I would put your time and attention. Um, But I hope out of everything we've kind of shared today, the message that you get is I think it's really important to just be aware of what it is you, okay, you, how you want to show up, not only for yourself, but for another person, you know, how you want to show up, what that looks like, you know, and how you're going to handle these different components of an empowered relationship and being able to vocalize and communicate that with the other person. And then really knowing is this somebody that I can invest time with, to your point, Louisa, or is this somebody that really isn't going to be a value to me? and help me on my growing journey. But I think it's important to really evaluate, bring awareness to, look at, and then be able to share, communicate, and then be able to really put in some of these tools in that. So hopefully this helped. I don't know if you have anything you wanted to add. I'd love to hear from you too. I think you said it perfectly. I think you said (laughs) it perfectly. I mean, you know, behave like the individual you want to be is the only thing that I would say. And not just in this situation, but applies perfectly is behave like the individual that you want to be, you know, um, at all costs. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's just showing up for yourself every day, making that commitment to yourself it's not easy, but you can do it. And it's just taking baby steps and changing some habits and really putting this into practice because the more you practice with anything, the easier it gets. So I know you guys can all do hard things. This is no different and that you guys are going to rock it. But if you have any questions or would like to chat about this more, please reach out to either one of us. We are here to support you on this journey and would love to hear from you. So feel free to reach out to both of us at any point. Absolutely. And thank you for listening on this um, other episode of Heal and Thrive Backstage. We will be elaborating a lot more on this um, on our Wednesday live at 11 a.m. Central and 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find us live on any of our social media channels. And also remember, we haven't reminded our audience um, that they can find us on YouTube. We are, we are everywhere. We are on YouTube. We are on Instagram. (laughs) We are, uh, we're even on TikTok. So we're like everywhere. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Did I miss one? Um, No, I think you got it all. Facebook, Uh, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. You know, I think, I think we're, I think we're anywhere you go, there we are. You know, lucky, lucky individuals. Yes, yes. And we would love to see you on a Wednesday live. If you have any questions you want to answer on the live about this or any other topic, feel free to send them in. You can find us again on any of our social media channels. We are happy, very, very happy to address them on the live. And we are happy to keep your name anonymous as well. You're your identity does not need to be divulged if that's not something that you want. Absolutely. And thank you all so much. Really excited to be here and sharing this with you. Um, and we look forward to seeing you again on Wednesday. Bye, Bye all.